Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the gun, episode 135, it is Duke's Mayo Bowl Eve. Happy holidays, everybody. I'm Skylar Callahan. That is the signal caller, Jed Drenning. We've got the guy, Phil Steele. He's going to be coming in with us one more time for the 2023 season. He's going to talk the West Virginia-North Carolina matchup along with a few other bowl games uh, that he wants to discuss. So, uh, Jed, uh, first off, I-, I just want to say it's been a lot of fun talking to Phil because it- it's 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 kind of unique that you get a an, an expert's opinion on so many games each and every week. We're blessed with that opportunity every Friday or Thursday, whatever day it is we record with him, and to gain all the knowledge that we've gained from him is 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 pretty is pretty cool. So, um, a lot of fun talking to Phil this year. What do you think? I completely agree. Uh, it's uh, it's been insightful, as you might imagine. Uh, I think back to some of the big hits that he got right, like he was way out in front of that Oklahoma State posse before anybody else was. I remember when he called the Cowboys to knock off K-State and Stillwater, and everybody was looking at him like he had two heads. Well, he didn't know, or everybody else didn't realize what Phil did realize, and that was that uh, they were about to turn a corner and reinvent themselves. So it's been fun, uh, especially when he when he nails a couple of those down, right? Because let's, let's face it, you know, what this business or the business that he's in more specifically is almost impossible. Yeah, I mean, it's almost an impossible ask when you deal with point spreads and getting things right at a high percentage. It's nobody's even close to perfect. So uh, the the job that he does and the track record that he has is impressive. Yeah, I mean, professional betters, they, they look to hit at like 55, 56 percent and they consider that successful. I don't know that I've been 55, 56% on our ITG picks this year, but I've been, I've been trying to make my way back. So let's go ahead and get into um, our final round of ITG picks. Uh, and uh, we're here from our, our sponsor at Bet Online, where the game starts. And that's where we're going to start here is with our picks. So, Jed, give us some spreads, uh, some, some prop bets, actually, if you will. Let's start with this one. Uh, I think it's an interesting storyline in this game with all the opt-outs and the injuries, particularly on the North Carolina side. Uh, They don't have a scholarship tight end coming into this game. And they've been a pretty significant 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends team. Uh, They even run, as we talked about in the preview with Wes, even run some 13 personnel, but they're without a scholarship tight end. Now that doesn't mean they're without a tight end at large, it just means their top kids are out. And they've managed that position for North Carolina this year to, to catch 72 balls. So their tight ends have been incredibly productive, protect, productive. But that position group is going to be impacted in a big way in this game. Uh, so let's keep it with the tight end theme and jump to the other side with Cole Taylor. Cole Taylor's the first Mountaineer since the early 80s to lead the team in receiving. Uh, what I'm going to ask here is from a receiving yardage standpoint, Cole Taylor over under 34 and a half receiving yards against a North Carolina team that's dead last in the ACC and pass defense. Oh, I like, I like Cole's chances here because I think we said it last week. This has a good setup for West Virginia to take some shots downfield. 
And whether that be on the outside with the perimeter guys or, or Cole Taylor up the seam, I, I, I like his chances here. So maybe just one explosive play could do it um, or get him close to that. So I'm going to go over 34. Uh, I'm going to go over as well. Uh, it's almost going to take, in my estimation, uh, you know, try and strike when they go with one of those cover one blitzes and maybe you get a favorable matchup. Just think about it, a 23, 24-yard seam route. That's really what it's going to take to make yeah. this happen. Because otherwise, you know, he'll probably have a couple catches for five or ten on some crossers or on a bootleg. Or, uh, But I, I'm going to say yes, I think that does happen. Uh, so we're both saying yes on Cole Taylor's over 34 and a half yards receiving. All right, let's jump into this one. Uh, North Carolina has allowed the most 10-plus yard plays in the ACC. One of the bowl teams just passed them the ACC, but at the end of the regular season, they'd allow the most. So uh, they've allowed 183 10-plus yard plays, which is an average of 15.3 per game. We'll go back to that in a second. Uh, West Virginia is averaging 15 a game. They have 180. Now, what's interesting with West Virginia, we've split ours right down the middle. Not many teams do that. We're 90 on the ground and 90 through the air. Uh, and when running the ball, Garrett, 28 of his 111 carries have been for 10-plus yards. Matter of fact, Garrett leads all power five runners with the highest percentage of his rushes that result in a first down. 44% of his runs have been for a first down. Jaheim, 27 of his 97 carries have gone for 10-plus yards. So those are the two that yank West Virginia's percentage way up in terms of those 10-plus yards. As a team, West Virginia has 90 on the ground, as we touched on, in 93 the year. Uh, so here are the numbers again. North Carolina is giving up 15.3 per game, 10-plus yard plays. West Virginia is averaging 15. I'm going to go with an over-under. Over-under, West Virginia, 15.5 plays of 10-plus yards. Ooh. And this, this is run or pass. It's run or pass. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go over again. Um, I, I just, there's so many explosive plays to be out there for this team. And I think between Jaheim White and Garrett Green alone, you're going to, you're going to get close to double digits, I think. Um, and, and I'm talking on the ground. That's not even th with Garrett Green through the air. So I'm going to go over 15 and a half. I'm going to go over 15.5 as well. Um, I'm very curious as to a guy who's got to see this kid play in some Monday night football and a guy who's really seen this kid come along and he's going to get his opportunity in DJ Oliver. Yeah. He's going to get some touches in this football game. So you mentioned Garrett, uh, you know, you mentioned Jaheim, uh, DJ Oliver, of course, Jalen's on the table as well. So I think the opportunities will be there. I'm going to go over 15.5. Uh, I almost feel that needs to happen for West Virginia yeah. to have the type of game we have to have to win this. So uh, I think optimism, uh, I'm going with my heart and my brain there. Uh, and then closing out, let's go to number three. Interestingly enough, this is the third time that West Virginia has faced the Tar Heels in a bowl game. In 1997 in the Gator Bowl, West Virginia lost 20-13 to North Carolina in Jacksonville. And then, of course, most fans will remember the swan song of one Pat White 
in the Meineke Cartier Bowl at this very site. West Virginia came from behind to win 31 to 30, excuse me, in front of the largest college football crowd in the history of the state of North Carolina, 73,000 change. So there's two scores, 20 to 13, 31 to 30. The two score totals, 33.61 points. What I'm asking for this third one, the over-under of this Dukes-Mayo bowl game will be closer to which of those two? Closer to the 33 total points of 97 or closer to the 61 points of 08? And I'll say it right now, the total is 47, which is dead center in the middle. I'm going to give us both credit. But what, what's say <laughs> you? Which one is it closer to? I'm, I'm leaning towards more of the highest scoring game um, because I, I actually – my prediction, I think, is like 63 or 64 for the total. I just think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Like, even with the back of quarterback – I, I still think that that offense can still make things happen for Carolina. And Connor Harrell, I don't know what we're really going to get out of him, but he's a dual-threat quarterback. And <coughs> for whatever reason, dual-threat mobile quarterbacks have given West Virginia fits over the years, and especially on a kid that you don't have a whole lot of tape on. I think he can have some success. And we've seen in the very little plays that he was able to, to get in, um, he's got a, a d- pretty good arm on him. So – I think they're going to be able to do some stuff and, and get this thing into where it's a track meet to some extent. And I, I think it's going to be in the low 30s for both teams. So I'll go closer to that 60. Yeah, if, if Drake May would have played, it's a slam dunk, right? Yeah. Um, but I keep wondering, what impact is this going to have on Carolina's game plan with, yes, the backup quarterback, who I've seen him make plays with his arm, and his limited opportunities, but I haven't seen him been asked to scan the be asked to scan the field and make any kind of even quasi advanced read. That's not to say he can't. We just haven't seen him be asked that. Uh, their tight ends are out. Their center is out, which is absolutely much like West Virginia, the anchor of the offensive line. Uh, you know, we haven't seen outside of that final drive at Baylor this West Virginia offense without Zach Frazier. And I don't think that's being discussed nearly enough. Yeah. I might be inclined to lean towards saying the over and agreeing with you because my score prediction, I even went on a limb in the preview with West <laughs> went 28 21 West Virginia, just, just because we've never had a 28 21 game. But uh, to make it interesting, I'll tell you what, I think that uh, Carolina with Harrell is going to try and take the air out of it, missing those tight ends, missing their center. I think they're going to try and try and shrink the game and not ask him to do too much. They will ask him to pop it downfield with some play-action opportunities. And I also think they'll go empty with the quick game and ask him to get the ball out fast with some decisive quick reads. But uh, I'll go ahead and say under, or excuse me, closer to the 33, I guess is what we're saying. We're saying which over under, which point total will, will this be closer to in this game? The 33 points of the 97 Gator, the 61 points of the 2008 Mighty Car Care Bowl, I'm going to go ahead to make this interesting and say it will be closer to the 33 points. It's not to say it's going to be close to 33. That just means it has to be closer than it is to 61. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And it looks like we're going to have decent weather now because I think a couple days ago there was rain in the forecast and it's been raining in Charlotte. We've been walking around the city the last couple of days and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for a dry day now. Yeah, it, it's been bad here. So hopefully we get some good weather, which it looks like we will. 
Um, and it should make for an interesting get, game. I, I really do think this is, has a chance to get to be into to one of those back and forth affairs. And I actually just looked up my score prediction because I was curious and I had 33 31. So very close to that Monarchy Card Care Bowl score. So um, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And on the other side, we're going to go ahead and bring in Phil to talk some bowl games and West Virginia, North Carolina. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Phil Stu. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guaranteed to, to save you thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. We're back with our favorite guy. That is Phil Steele. We're going to talk some bowl games here, a little college football playoff, get Phil's thoughts on the four teams that made it and some of the teams that didn't, most notably Florida State and Georgia. And then I'll, we'll wrap things up with the Dukes Mayo Bowl as Jed just uh, showed off Tubby there, I think is the, the guy. I don't know if we're if we're nicknaming him that or not, but it, it's a it's a unique little mascot there, Jed, that you got. So <laughs> Phil can't see it, but you know, we we have uh, a very venerable late, the late great Mickey Ferfari, sports writer in West Virginia circles, that he kind of bears somebody pointed out on Twitter, he kind of bears a resemblance to Mickey Ferfari, his Mayo, his Duke's Mayo. A mascot, so that's a good thing when you look like Mickey, right? But, but uh, anyway, Skyler, you have the floor. Yeah, so let's let's go ahead and start with some of these New Year's Six games here, uh, Phil, and uh, let's go with the the Cotton Bowl here with Missouri in Ohio State. Obviously, tremendous season for the Tigers uh, and Coach Drinkwitz, Ohio State. They've had a lot of guys head to the portal, including their quarterback Kyle McCord. So. A lot of these games are going to feel like who really wants to be here and who – and I, I think the edge is probably going to go to the teams that actually do have interest in being here. I mean, just just looking at this one here, Phil, I, I would think Missouri has that edge, but what do you think about this game? 
Yeah, I think as far as the uh, the players that are going to be there, Ohio State will have more opt-outs than Missouri, and they've already lost their quarterback. But uh, I think there is some pressure on Ohio State. I mean, Ryan Day has lost three straight games to Michigan, and now if he was to lose the bowl game, he I think he'd be uh, have a, a two games down losing streak in the in the bowls as well. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of pressure on Ohio State. Uh, they actually opened up the underdog in this game, which I think will help them out a little bit. They're now a slight favorite. But uh, I think Missouri's excited to be here. But Ohio State coming off that loss to Michigan, third straight time they've done it, didn't qualify for the playoffs. Uh, a bowl loss would be uh, tough for them in this one as well. I think Ohio State's clearly the more talented team. Uh, my computer at Ohio State 30-19 to 19, uh, in this one. So they're definitely more talented. they played the tougher schedule. They've uh, got a lot of things going for them here. And Devin Brown, Started getting some action late in the year. I think Devin Brown will have a decent game at, uh, at quarterback. Probably Marvin Harrison won't play, but they're so deep at receiver, it's ridiculous. Uh, so I'm actually going to go with Ohio State, uh, minus the one in that one. Well, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you what we had you on here, Phil. And, and here in a minute, Skyler's going to ask you about your thoughts on the playoffs. But this whole situation with the Orange Bowl, you talk about drawing the short stick. You have – the Georgia Bulldogs pitted against the Florida State Seminoles and the old way of doing things, this would have been one heck of a marquee matchup and a great get for that Orange Bowl. But the way things stand, I mean, you have kids parachuting off that Florida State roster at every turn. You really don't know what to anticipate out of Georgia. What do you see playing out down in, uh, in this Orange Bowl game? Yeah, and, you know, as far as uh, Florida State goes, you you just have to take a look at their offense the last two games without Jordan Travis. Uh, 224 yards against Florida, a game that they were very fortunate to win by nine. I thought they were outplayed in that game. The Louisville game, 219 yards, so they've struggled. Tate Rodemaker now not going to play, so they're down to their third-string quarterback, Brock Glenn, who had 10 of 25 passes against Louisville. Uh, they're taking on a Georgia team that didn't qualify for the playoffs. Pretty tough for them. But uh, I think when you look at Georgia, uh, they're a team that's off a loss. And uh, I, I think you're going to see Georgia play their A game. And the line on this one, all the way up at 16, and I think that's accurate. I, I think Georgia's the much better team uh, with Florida State not having Jordan Travis. And uh, I think Georgia's going to be motivated for this one. And as you mentioned, Florida State losing a lot to the transfer portal. So I like Georgia to, to win this one comfortably. Yeah, Phil, this is just a, a tough situation for Florida State fans. And you could arguably say the same thing for Georgia because they were the number one team heading into conference championship weekend. Their only losses to a team in the college football playoff. And all this debate about a four-team playoff or a 12-team playoff or even an eight-team playoff, this is one of those years where you look at it and say, well, this is exactly why they're expanding the CFP format. And I, I think this is something that's been needed for a long time. But with this being the final year of the four team, I, I don't know that they got it right. I mean, I, I've said from the very beginning of this thing, when this started to become a conversation, if Florida State won the game, they needed to be in. I don't care what it looks like. Those guys deserve to be there because they went undefeated or power five conference champion and they won with their second, third-string quarterbacks. What do you think about that whole situation and how the, the committee made their selections and leaving Florida State and Georgia out? Well, we'll probably disagree a little bit on that. I think if I was in the committee and uh, and they tasked me with putting the four best teams on the field, 
uh, had you go back to a, a few years back, Ohio State was down to their third string quarterback in the Big Ten title game. Yep. But they showed they won that thing like sixty to seven. I mean, they showed hey, there's no difference with the Ohio State offense. Uh, this is the the same team, even with a third string quarterback. We did not see that with Florida State. Florida State's offense struggled to get first downs, struggled to get points, struggled to get yards. Uh, I mean, when you average 221 yards per game in two games, had they put up 400 yards against either Florida or Louisville, I thought they would have been competitive. And look at the line on this game. I mean, Florida State's a 16-point underdog to Georgia. Uh, And Georgia, you can make an argument that they should be there, but heck, they lost to Alabama. So if I was the committee, uh, I would have picked the same four teams to be in there. And this is the first time that the four-team playoff didn't work because – these two teams probably deserve to be in the playoffs. It'll be corrected in the future. But of all the years of the 14 playoff, I think it's the first time that we've really had uh, something where, hey, you're leaving out an undefeated conference champ or you're leaving out the team that won the last two national championships. But uh, like I said, if I was the committee right now, I would have picked Alabama because they beat Georgia, Texas, uh, and then, of course, Michigan and Washington, the undefeated teams that are uh, full strength. All right, let's uh, go ahead and jump down here to Charlottesville. We want to get your thoughts on this uh, matchup in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl between West Virginia and North Carolina. Two teams that stand at 8-4, and four, took different paths to get here. Uh, and what's interesting about this is if you've, you've seen – you talk about roster attrition. Well, you've seen quite a bit of that on the North Carolina side and not just at the quarterback spot with Drake May. I think the line stood around, what, two and a half points or so before Drake May made his announcement. But you also have other considerations. They have basically seven starters out, North Carolina does. Now, granted, West Virginia is without Zach Frazier for the first time in four years at center, which is the straw that really stirs that drink for us offensively. But North Carolina is without their starting center. They're without a scholarship tight end in this game. They're without Drake May. They're, they're down a lot of guys. Now, that means opportunity for a lot of excited youth. But what do you see unfolding here in Charlotte with West Virginia and North Carolina facing each other in a bowl game for the third time? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to point out that uh, bowls used to be a lot of fun for me. But now <laughs> they're just a pain in the butt. You know, you're, you're like, okay, yeah. you turn the TV on. They're like, well, guess what? These four guys are not going to play today. You're like, oh, I didn't even know that. You know, and it's it's just uh, a mess. I hate all these opt-outs, but I, I digress. Let's talk about this game. As you mentioned, West Virginia, I think, is, is the more – is the stronger team, especially with Drake may be an out for this. Uh, I like West Virginia's uh, defense. Uh, I think they've shown at times this year uh, they can be strong. Uh, and, well, Omari and Hampton is a very dangerous running back. But to me, the key matchup here is that West Virginia run game against a North Carolina rush defense that has struggled at times this year. Four different times this year they gave up over 200 yards rushing. It seemed like their defense the last four weeks uh, went down downhill. Uh, they allowed 39 yards above the season average. I think if you're looking for motivation, West Virginia is a more motivated team. Uh, you guys pointed out the crowd edge. It's not going to be, even though it's in North Carolina, it's going to be fairly even. So uh, I think when you add it all up, West Virginia is the team to, to get the victory here. And uh, and that'll be good. It, very good for uh, Neil Brown. So I'd I like the Mountaineers to come out on top in this one. 
Yeah, Phil, some of these things just don't make a lot of sense. And the ESPN FPI is one thing that never really seems to make a whole lot of sense. It's not very accurate. That's why people should go to your site and check out your predictor. <laughs> um, but the, the Mountaineers, for most sporting books, are six and a half to seven point favorites. The ESPN FBI, I think, is having North Carolina as the heavy favorite. West Virginia is only getting like 38, 39% chance to win this game. Is that just a miscalculation or, or, or something that, that you don't think that they've reconfigured since all these opt-outs? I mean, what could be the explanation for something like that? And what's yours? Uh, it's the, yeah, it is it's strictly the opt-outs. Uh, and i tell you what, I've had meetings with, uh, you know, when I worked at ESPN for three years, and I would always, every time I went there, I talked to the folks at FBI because uh, we're very similar, you know, as far as uh, I'm a numbers guy, they're numbers guys. Uh, and basically, how do you equate? How do you change your ratings based on opt-outs and injuries? And they just can't do it. So basically, it's whatever happened during the season. Uh, you know, like my computer, for example, has uh, North Carolina 37-35 just based on the computer numbers, which doesn't reflect that, that Drake may. So you have to put your personal thing in there. But right. they, they just can't do that. So it's just numbers based on the season based on what the team's done this year. And uh, I, I don't think they're able to reflect that the fact that Drake May and, and numerous other players are out for North Carolina. So that's the reason for the uh, percentage on that one. Oh, you know where my mind keeps racing to? Uh, I think we all remember, a lot of us do, a handful of years ago in the Champs Bowl, you had a Baylor team that for the better part of the season, I think it was 2015, the better part of the season was ranked among the national leaders in just about every key category. But they got so banged up, and they lost their top couple quarterbacks. They were facing, ironically enough, North Carolina in that Champs Bowl. And what they did was, with Art Bryles, they came out and reinvented themselves offensively in a span of three weeks. He went back to his high school roots. They ambushed North Carolina with strictly an option offense, ran the ball 80-some yep. times for 600-and-some yards. My mind keeps racing to that game for one reason. The offensive line coach on that Baylor staff was one Randy Clements, the offensive line coach on this North Carolina staff who just lost his mm. starting quarterback, who just lost his starting center, who just lost all its tight ends. It just has a weird feel to it. Yeah, and, and what we've seen in these bowl games, let's, let's go back and, and take a look at that South Alabama bowl game, for example. Uh, South Alabama is without their starting quarterback. They lost their 1,000-yard rusher. They lost their top receiver. Mm -hmm. And yet they blew them out. I mean, people overreact sometimes to the players that aren't there, but it's a chance for other players to step up. Exactly. And I remember that Baylor game. Baylor, Baylor was up like 49-31 in the fourth quarter. North Carolina yeah. got a late touchdown to only lose by 11. Uh, it was all Baylor. It was a fun game to watch, especially for what you mentioned. So, you know, that's the thing that makes these bowl games so tough. You don't know what's going on, uh, you know, as far as the coaching staffs. Are they going to change stuff? And who's going to be motivated for the game? And uh, it's uh, it makes it, it, it that possibility clearly exists. Yeah, and uh, a possibility for a ninth win is on the table here for West Virginia again. Something they haven't done in quite a while. Phil, just real quick, um, get your last thoughts on this. Your your total fifty thousand foot view of this West Virginia program under Neil Brown now. Winning nine games could is a possibility here in the next 24 hours or so. If they get that ninth win, you talk about all the pieces that they have potentially coming back, Garrett Green, Jaheim White, C.J. Donaldson, the list goes on. 
Could this be a team that gets votes or potentially even finds a way to sneak into the back end of that top 25 next preseason? Uh, absolutely, uh, especially with what they have coming back. Uh, and you look at the fact that in the Big 12 next year, you take out Oklahoma and Texas. They're yeah. going out. So, uh, you know, West Virginia, I think, uh, will garner a lot. I personally, uh, you know, when I write the magazine, I tend to slant the teams that can run the ball. They have a great offensive line uh, this year, and I, I think they'll develop a good offensive line next year. And it, it's just, it's a team that's got the defense, the run game, and uh, I, I think Neil Brown is uh, one of the better head coaches. It concerned me that he was on the hot seat coming into the year. Very thankful, and and hopefully he picks up that ninth win here because uh, I have a, a lot of a lot of respect for uh, Neil Brown. I think he's one of the better head coaches. Well, Phil, we appreciate you uh, coming on each and every single week throughout the season and doing this bowl special here with us as well. Couldn't thank you enough. It's been a lot of fun this season. We hope you come back next year. But if you want to go ahead and plug any of your stuff here as we wrap up the bowl season, the floor is yours. Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. Uh, you know, we put out a, a newsletter uh, called Inside the Press Box, which gives you a complete write-up on every game, my computer's forecast, my forecast. Uh, computer best bets are on a run. They're 18-7 and seven the last uh, 11 weeks. Uh, you can check that out at philsteel.com. Also, when you go to philsteel.com, I've got the Phil Steele Plus Tour with selections. Shows you a little bit of what we have on the Phil Steele Plus site and also gives you some free selections. So make sure you check that out each and every week. I'll have a fresh one up for you on uh, Tuesday. There it is. There's where you need to go, Phil Steele. Thank you so much, Phil. We're going to go ahead and take another break and we'll wrap up the show here on In the Gun. Hear from this word from Johnson's Equipment. If you work the land, you just got to be a jack-of-all-trades type. There's just too much to do. So if you got to be a welder or a farmer or a ditch digger, that's just who you are that day. And tomorrow, you can be somebody else. Get your coyote at the new location of Johnston Equipment between Weston and Buckhannon. Fun as always talking to Phil Steele. Uh, looks like he's got the West Virginia Mountaineers and the Dukes Mayo Bowl, uh, like Judd and I. And there's there's Tubby or Mickey Ferrari. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, that, I'm never gonna get past that thing. I've got to find a way to, to to steal one somehow. And I know that they're gonna have the Mayo jars with the logos on it. And I think Chris is gonna grab me one, but we, we've got to get one to West too. So. A lot of fun. Um, and Jed, you and Wes actually did the uh, the preview on Christmas Eve for mm -hmm. the bowl game. Um, it's up there now. It's a little Christmas theme, so make you feel like you're in the season. But uh, you, you guys broke this one down. It's the final one of the year. Um, but in case they haven't checked it out yet, uh, go ahead and kind of to give a little plug here, give them some insight of what they're missing out on if they haven't checked it out yet. Uh, one of the big things we wanted to do was dive into, and, and we just discussed it with Phil, but, but all the opt-outs and the injuries, especially on the North Carolina side, because I almost felt like we were wasting people's time to give you the numbers that North Carolina had amassed throughout the course of the season, because in so many ways, it's a fundamentally different team. Yeah. So uh, we, we did what we could to vet that and talk about all the, the, the players that North Carolina has out to do some projecting in terms of what we think North Carolina might do from a game planning standpoint to compensate and adjust. But, uh, yeah, we threw a lot into it. We threw a lot into it. Got, we got out in the weeds on that. 
So make sure you go check that out before the game tomorrow at In The Gun Podcast on YouTube. You can follow us on X there as well. And uh, we'll be back sometime here in the next week or so. We're, we're going to keep these things going. We'll, we'll try and nail down a schedule so you can kind of get an idea as to when to expect some new episodes. But that'll do it for us here today. For Jed Drang, the signal caller, I'm Skylar Callen. You've been watching to and listening to the In The Gun Podcast. And as always, be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WB football podcast. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 